The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. Lord, we thank you for the truths of the songs that we've just sung. Lord, we thank you that Christ has come to be our Savior, that our God has sent a Redeemer to ransom us, to rescue us, to save us. Lord, that we were, when we were helpless, when we were unholy and unrighteous and enemies of you because we've broken your law, that you, you sent Jesus, the perfect and spotless Lamb of God, to die in our place and to take our punishment. Lord, I pray that as we celebrate the communion service this morning, that um, our hearts would be turned toward the cross, that we would think about the sacrifice that was made for us, that we would be grateful, Lord, that we would be um, willing to examine ourselves in light of the cross, and that we would live in unity and for your glory as a church family. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. We pray in your name. Amen. We'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 in just a moment. And once again, I just want to remind you how our church service works as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. This is a time that we devote most of the service, the good part of the service, toward the Lord's Supper. And I know this is rare in a lot of um, Protestant churches, but we found that this is just a wonderful thing. Uh, it's a time where we get to allow our church family to look closely at what happened on Calvary, to look at what happened on the cross as Jesus sacrificed himself for us. It was a joy this morning already to hear about the Weebs ministry in Bolivia and all the things that God is doing there and has done over 22 years of ministry. That's just amazing. Great job. It's fantastic to hear about missionaries who have been working faithfully there for so long, and who have trained men and women that they can pass ministries on to. And so I'm just so thrilled to hear what's going on. Um, it's also an incredible joy for us as God's people to be able to join together here to celebrate the Lord's Supper as a church family. This is the greatest thing that we do here at Maple City. This side of heaven, the Lord's Supper gets us just as close as we can be to our Savior. As a church, we usually celebrate communion on a Sunday night. And so that means that there's probably a lot of people here today that aren't used to celebrating communion with our church family. And so maybe it's your first time being at a communion service. Maybe it's the first time in a long time you've been here. And what I want to do this morning is I want to answer just two brief questions about what the communion service is and why we celebrate it. So I hope by looking at what, we, what it is and then why we celebrate it, it'll be a good reminder for all of us who are used to this service, that we are reminded of what we're doing here and why we're, why we're doing this, why it's so important. And hopefully it'll provide some instruction for those of you who do not usually partake in the Lord's Supper or you haven't seen this service take place in a while or ever. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 to 34. Here in 1 Corinthians 11, we're given the most clear text on what the Lord's Supper is and why we do it. What Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians 11 is he's correcting a church that is, that is trying to host a Lord's Supper service, but they're doing it completely wrong. They're making a mess of it. And so in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul provides instruction as to what the Lord's service is supposed to be and why they're doing it. Verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and partly I believe it. For there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. 
When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one of you takes before the other in his own supper. And one is hungry, the other is drunken. What? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise you the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say unto you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it, and he said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is, done, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry for one another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Here Paul is providing instruction to a church who is attempting to do the Lord's Supper, to participate in the Lord's Supper, but they're doing it all wrong. And Paul begins by saying, I don't know what you're doing, but it's not the Lord's Supper. So what I want to do this morning is I want to see what communion is. What are we doing here? And I think it's helpful to point out from the text, first of all, what communion is not. Communion is not simply a gathering of believers eating bread and drinking wine and calling it the Lord's Supper. This is exactly what was happening there, isn't it? In in the Corinthian church, they were coming together. They had the bread. They had the wine. They had the people. They called it the Lord's Supper. Paul says, that's not what you're doing. I don't know what that thing is, but it's not the Lord's Supper. And so the first point maybe is very obvious, but it's it's not just about the physical aspects. It's not just the religious tradition. So you, you can't come here today and go through the motions and think that somehow that was the Lord's Supper. The motions, it's not it. It's not a a religious tradition that just by the very act of doing it, somehow imparts grace. There's a much greater reason for the Lord's Supper than getting you a little piece of bread and a little bit of juice into your system. Okay, What we're doing here is far more important than that, so we should treat it as such. The second thing it's not is that As far as I can see in the text, it's not a magical or mystical ritual that involves the changing of substance and imparts special grace to those who partake. So we see clearly here that the church is messing the thing up. But what's obvious here is Paul's not saying, 
what you guys are doing wrong, man, you're just, you're saying the prayer wrong. You're getting the words mixed up and you don't have the right, it's not set up right because, you know, in order for this to be done right, you know, you have to have some kind of priest and you have to have this, this miraculous or magical change of substance where the body becomes, sorry, the bread becomes literally the body. Where the, the wine or the juice becomes literally the blood. Okay, now, for some of you, that sounds, it doesn't sound right. This is a doctrine called transubstantiation, where there's just a, a transformation in the substance that the Roman Catholic Church believes. And all I'm saying here is from the text, we don't see Paul upset because they're doing some, some of the mystical part of the magical part wrong. In fact, we see very clearly that this is done in remembrance of him. There's no special grace that imparts to those who partake. Meaning, if you've come here without Christ, and you eat the body and you drink the blood, you do not become his. Okay? This is not, it's not imparting some magical grace to you. There's a very good reason we do this, and this is a wonderful thing that can help you grow in your Christian life. But you're not saved because you participate in any kind of ritual. Paul never said that. He never, never claimed that. This is a, something that we do so that we can examine ourselves, so that we can remember, so that we can look to the cross. That's what it's not. What, what is it? Well, it's a memorial service. This is a time that God's people come together to remember, to try and do our best to set aside the troubles we're going through, the bills that we have to pay, all of the stress of our lives, all of the things that we're worried about today, and to stop and to look at the cross and, and to see what's really important. I got to tell you, it seems to me like churches, they get bogged down with the funniest, silliest things. Churches get, get their focus from what it's supposed to be. The cross of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice for us, us growing in him and us getting that message to the world. And we get sidetracked to these things that make no sense at all. So what do we do the Lord's Supper for? What, it helps us to remember what is this whole thing about? What is a Christian life about? What is your life about? It should be about what he did. What was done for you. And the life we have in him because of it. It was a memorial service. This is what um, Charles Spurgeon said. He said, never mind that bread and wine unless you can use them as folks often use their spectacles. So what he's saying is, those elements don't really mean a lot by themselves. But they're useful for something. We use them as we would use our spectacles. So, he says, use the bread and wine as a pair of spectacles. Look through them and do not be satisfied until you can say, Yes, yes, I can see the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. We use these things as physical reminders that Jesus' body was actually broken. That he suffered, that he was punished, that he was tormented, that he, that he went through excruciating pain on the cross. That he was broken for us. That his blood was spilled out for us. And the juice reminds us that there's blood that was spilled out on your behalf. And so why do we do it? Well, I think an obvious answer is just we do it because Jesus told us to. But really, we do this because we are sinners saved by grace. 
We come together because we're sinners saved by grace. And this supper is an indescribable and necessary nourishment to our souls. God knew we needed this. There's a reason that Jesus in the garden, or just before he went to the garden, hours before he is taken and arrested and taken to be killed, that he instituted this Lord's Supper, that this was the last thing he wanted to leave his disciples with before he was killed. And then he said, I want you to do this. I want you, every time you gather together, you do this to remember me. Because he knew that we are forgetful, aren't we? I mean, if you know Christ as your Savior, there was a time when you were overwhelmed with your sin, with your, the wickedness of your own heart, and there was a time you were overwhelmed with the grace of God. That he would do that for someone like you. And so this service we come together because we're sinners saved by grace and we need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded that his sacrifice was for us. That we're so undeserving. But that he loves us so greatly. Remembering the cross helps us to see our sin more clearly. When we participate in the Lord's Supper and we think about the cross, we see our sin for what it is, right? We see ourselves for what we are. When we look at the cross, what do we see? We see, first of all, God's holiness. As his wrath is poured out on sin. How much does God hate sin? So much that he was willing to make his son go through this this excruciating pain to be separated from his son. Why? Because the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus instead of us. The second, the second thing we see at the cross is we see how incredibly loved we are. Our sin is so wicked that it sent Jesus to the cross, but our, our, God's love is so great that he was willing to go, that he went willingly for us and gave his life. Remembering the cross helps us to see our sin more clearly. And so the Bible tells us here in 1 Corinthians 11 to examine ourselves. Take this time to look at the elements, to think about what Jesus did for you, and say, what's going on in my heart and life? Am I living for Christ the way I ought to? Have I allowed sin to creep into my life? And if I started to, to do or say or participated in things that just don't honor him, that he would be displeased with? Can we really honestly look at the cross and say, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the, you know, all those things still going on in my life? No, so we, we come to here and we see our sin clearly. We see that God loves us so much and we see that sin is so wicked that it sent Jesus to the cross. The sin that caused his son immeasurable pain that nailed him naked to a cross after his back had been torn apart and had been mocked and scorned and spit upon and beaten. Can we participate in that sin that did those things to our Savior? And so we see our sin clearly. Second thing it does is that it reminds us of his sacrifice and it brings us together as a church family. When we come to the Lord's Supper, we come to the same place that we come to the cross, on level ground. There's nobody here that's a better sinner than the rest of us. There's, there's no person here that is so wicked, that is so sinful, that they're beyond the grace of God. We all come to the cross on a level playing field. And what that does is it lets us see one another in the church and say, that's my brother, that's my sister. We've both been saved by the grace of God. We are both equally sinful, both equally in need of redemption. And God loved us both so much that he died for us. I love how the Lord's Supper unites the church like that. In this room, there may be 200 brothers and sisters in Christ 
that as you remember the cross and think of your sin, they're doing the same thing. I think that's an awesome thought, that, that we're all doing this together, that we're thinking about the cross, that we're considering our sin, and we're saying, God, thank you, thank you. Now, how can I better live for you? And we do this together as a family. I think it's awesome. <clears throat> Finally, remembering his coming and his death makes us long for him to come again. The Bible says that this is showing forth our hope till he comes again. Right? That's what, that's what we're doing here. We're saying this is our hope. Our hope is that Jesus died, that he's given us new life, that he rose again, and that someday he's coming again. And every single time we participate in Lord's Supper, we show forth the Lord's death Till he come. We tell the world that he did this and he's coming again. That he's alive and well today. How silly would a service like this be if we were doing it for a dead person? If Christ had died, he was in the grave, and we remembered just the tragic death of this person who said he was the Lord, who said he would die and rise again, but never did. Would we celebrate a failed savior? No. So we come together because we have hope. Because as much as this is a somber service, it's still a very hopeful service. That, that This is our hope. And every time we do it, we say, and I believe he's coming again. It's what an awesome service that we get to take part in this morning. When I read Jesus' words here in 1 Corinthians 11, when he says, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. That seems to me almost like this is... A, Christ reminding us of his promise. This I did, my body was broken for you. It was broken for you. Now do this in remembrance of me. He's, he's reminding us that he has been, he's been broken for us. Verse 25 is even more clear. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, he said, this is the cup of the new testament or the new covenant or the new promise in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He's reminding us of the promise of grace, the covenant of grace. So when we come together here, we come in this incredible hope that Christ, who is the God of the universe, died for us, was broken for us, and now he's promised us, those of us who are in him, he's promised us grace. In just a moment, you'll have the opportunity to take communion. And if you don't know the Lord or if you, you haven't been a part of something like this before, or if you're not sure you know the Lord, then I would recommend you just allow the cup to pass. This is something to, to be evident for you, but this is really something that was designed for God's people, for those who know Christ as their Savior. Um, if you are living in unrepentant sin and you know Christ, but you, you just have chosen to live a life that's, that's sinful and you don't want to make that right, then again, I, I would advise you to let this cup pass. Okay, this is for those who are in Christ, and those, not who, who are perfect, all of us are sinners, but those who want to, lo- to live for him. Those who are, are sorry and repentant of their sin and are desiring to live for our Savior. Before the men come forward, I just want to remind you, what, what you do today, this is not some special, mystical, magical ceremony that you've come to and now because you, you've, you've just eaten this stuff, you leave a better person. You leave with more grace. That's not the case. Christ gave this to us because he knew that as believers, we needed to constantly remember what had been done for us. 
And this is an awesome service when it's done that way. And so when the bread and the cup come, I encourage you to think about his sacrifice, to think about the pain he endured, and to remember that he did all of that on your behalf. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this service. We get to partake in your supper. We thank you that you've given us such a wonderful memorial service that unites the church, that reminds us of our wickedness and our sinfulness, that encourages us to examine our hearts, and that gives us hope that though we are sinners, you have been broken for us, that you have made a covenant of grace, and that we know for sure that when we die, we'll be with you forever because of what Christ did for us. We thank you, Lord. We pray in your name. Amen.